Released on Sunday, December 14th, 2014. This Agile Life, episode 68. Just dance, Jason. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Craig Buchek. Hello, everybody. Been a while. How long has it been, Craig? Probably been a month. Mm, that's too long. I know. We can't let that much time go by anymore. Well, we haven't had a lot of episodes lately. It's been kind of hectic. It's getting to be that time of year with the holidays and the turkeys and the presents. Amos isn't here. No turkeys today. Oh, excellent. Ah. Also joining us on this episode, Jason Tice. Yes, I know. We're, we're, we're not drinking our own Kool-Aid here because we're not following the sacred practice of sustainable pace, but we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. You also didn't mix any Kool-Aid. You left the jug empty in the refrigerator again. Uh, yes, but but I got a I got a lean Kanban St. Louis party coming up in December where we're going to have our Kanban teeny that's new and improved for our holiday party this year. So if you're in St. Louis on December fifteenth, twenty fourteen, come check us out. The new and improved Kanban teeny. Yes, it's our signature drink. I can't wait. And back after a long respite, Nate Mackey. Hello, everyone. So glad to be back. So been months, too many months. Yeah, hooray! He's back. You added it up. How many episodes has it been? It's like I've missed the last twenty-one episodes. You have to. We'll have to like reintroduce you now to the. Oh, no, like there's a whole group of listeners that have have no idea who I am or why in the world I'm on this show. Well, that's Nate. There's Nate. There's Nate. Everybody, he's on the show tonight. You know, one important thing to point out that I've learned recently talking to some of our listeners face to face is that a lot of our listeners will cherry pick from our backlog. And so they don't always listen sequentially. So the um, it's interesting They might pop in and they might hear something. So um, if you've never tried to pop around or, you know, if you're just starting to listen to us and you're on episode four, which actually you wouldn't be listening to. Let's say you just started listening to us now and you've never gone back and listened to episode four or five. You should check that out because there's some interesting stuff back there. And. Actually, I think all of us sound different because we've all learned a lot since we started this a couple years ago. We sound better. We got better equipment. We learned how to use mixers and talk directly into microphones and right. work the editing software. So, yeah, we do. We so- hopefully sound a little better. I think Maybe my we- episode is still the other 3% where we bashed version one survey. Oh. Oh, please. <laughs> they're, they're nice people. And that oh, was geez. a few surveys ago. But it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, maybe, maybe in addition to sounding better, we actually know a few more things, too, I hope. Oh, you know I sure hope so. Let's see what we know tonight about collaboration. Of course, as we've talked about a number of times on the show, collaboration is a key tenant, a foundation of communication, a foundation of agility. And uh, Jason wanted to talk a little bit tonight about what's the right size for collaborating? How many people is, is the right number? Can, you, can a group of people be too large? Can there be too many people to collaborate? 
I'm guessing that there can't be too few unless you're by yourself, but there can <laughs> almost certainly be too many people, Jason. That's your, yeah. uh, that's your hypothesis. Well, that's your MBA thesis paper. Well, okay, but I'm going to go real life, John. And actually, I want to give a shout out because um, it's, it's December 2014. And actually, just um, the night before we're doing this, uh, Craig, Amos, myself, we went to the Ruby user group in St. Louis. And, and to his credit, Amos did an awesome job organizing a series of uh, lightning talks, although for fun, he called them Thundersnow. Before we got started, though, Craig, Amos, and I were talking. And we said, wow, we're going to do this really big episode of This Agile Life today, the next day, and because it was going to have Lee and Nate, it was going to have five of us, and we kind of said, well, sometimes when we do a big episode, it doesn't seem to have the same kind of vibe that a, um, that a smaller episode does with maybe three or four hosts. So we, we kind of started to think about that, and I, I just wrote it down and put it in the notes for tonight, and then again, what already happened, I wrote some notes down on the sheet, and, and then Lee saw that, and then Lee, Lee kind of said, hey, I really don't have anything to share about that, and he already dropped out, so this idea of when does a group become so big that collaboration becomes ineffective because people disengage from it? So that's what I thought we could talk about. And maybe we start with what happens. So real life, um, I wrote, we have a process where we kind of write some notes into a document to get the show started. So I did that late afternoon before we got started in the evening and Lee saw it and right off the back said he was kind of out. So I'll ask you guys, did I do something wrong? You know, cause it would be awesome to have Lee here tonight. And unfortunately he's yeah. not here. So I, I'm the one, when, we, when you asked that yesterday, what's the right size? And I said, or, or maybe you didn't even ask the question, but I said, you know, five gets to be a bit much. Four is about perfect. And three is better than five. But uh, four seems to be ideal for this, for this podcast, you know, and every team's going to be different. And maybe even who's participating might make a difference. But, but let me ask you that, Craig. How do you know that? I mean, what, what type of factors? I mean, it, we talked about it yesterday. It was kind of like we're in the zone. We, but is there any way we can quantify that or better describe that to our listeners? I would expect um, that there would be someone that would be less involved um, when there's five people here. Uh, I don't know if that'd be me sometimes. It would probably be me sometimes. It might be Lee sometimes. It, it might even be John sometimes. That's right. I think, Jason, remember a while back you had, this, you had found this app where you could play some audio and it, yeah. would, it would tell you what percentage of the time people were talking. Yeah, the, the, the talk timer app, which is awesome. And, and I think Craig's right on. I think that what happens is a person or maybe two end up uh, dominating the conversation and not because of like their personality, just because that's the way it kind of happens. And then, and then there's a third person that contributes and it's tough for a fourth and fifth person sometimes to contribute. So yes. there's just not enough time really. Nate. Right. It, sometimes it feels like, you know, well, they've already covered what I was going to say, or they said something that was pretty similar to it. So, you know, I'm not going to jump in and be redundant and I don't have anything original. So I think it's a little harder um, when, even though there's a, you know, there's a lot of opinions in the, this industry that we're in, as we're talking about agile, um, there probably are only uh, a few between the, the four or five of us of, of different ways of, of talking about a particular topic. Well, that's another point and, and not necessarily the exact same point. So I think there's a differentiation. Sometimes it's a matter of simply a matter of time slices available in the podcast to speak. And then what you're saying, Nate, I think is slightly different in that there's only uh, so many different perspectives. There's a finite set of perspectives and we as a group may share some of those perspectives. And so 
Therefore, if I've already stated an opinion that you share, all you would really have to say is bully or harumph. You know, you, you like that. So, and, and that happens at times, right, Jason? Yeah, because I say that's one of the dangers, though, of that approach and really just collaborating through commu- through speaking to each other. So, you know, I'm you know, I'm going over here as, as everyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm going to go off on something. John knows it's spot on because I have an MBA and I'm always right. Absolutely. Right, John. And yes, so God. John chooses to not say anything because he just agrees. But, <laughs> but well, OK, hypothetical. Let's pretend. John. Or we just get worn down. Well. But here's the thing is in verbal conversation or verbal collaboration like this, you don't you don't know that. So the weight that John agrees with me is lost. It may not be evident to the group. And there's Mm. a risk there because, you know, maybe it's a great idea and and maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's a larger group where the room's kind of split and one person has a really great idea. But then other people, you know, they, they just kind of agree. And. At least here on the podcast, we use Skype. We could see each other. But imagine you're on a conference call. That, that's when this really starts to break down. So, so what uh, should you do? Well, you need, to, you need to try to include everybody somehow. You need to be aware of who's not talking and find a way to pull them in. Um, and I think the same thing happens on a team. If you're trying to have a discussion or make a decision about something, it's, it's very easy for a certain personality type to just sit back and think, well, these are all really smart people in here. and you know, they probably know a lot more than I do and they're not saying what I think, but that probably just means because what I think is dumb or, or obviously wrong or whatever it is. And so I'll just keep it to myself. And, you know, every once in a while, they've got some brilliant thought that nobody else in the room has come up with. And it's just a matter of getting them to, to say it. So just recognizing them and getting them to speak. There's actually a phenomenon in groups where the majority will think they're in the minority and not speak up. And so right. you, you think, and then you continue thinking you're in the minority, but if you actually went and polled everybody after the meeting, you'll find that they made a decision that was actually a minority opinion. I know that when we have, uh, when we have collaboration sessions, and as an example, let's say retrospectives, one of the things that we will often do to help give everyone a chance to participate and to contribute is to use independent writing on sticky notes and then collect those and post them, right? What are some other strategies during collaboration sessions uh, that you can use in order to involve the entire group and make sure that uh, you're getting all of the people involved and giving everyone a fair chance? Maybe not fair is not the right term, but maybe an equal chance to communicate and collaborate. You could, you could use a token that you pass around and that person is the person that gets to speak. Uh, and you could actually pass it around, you know, in a specific order to make sure everyone gets a turn in a specific order. That's a bit too structured, though, for most teams. Um, if you're using some software, I haven't seen it, but I've, I wanted to create some software for retrospectives where you not only have the token for the person that's speaking, but like raise your hand and you basically line up. Uh, that would be provide some more visibility to see who's who's lining up and who wants to talk. And instead of sort of like we have here, uh, sort of like a thundering herd, you know, there's a, a gap in conversation and who can get there first. Well, right. or, or a great technique that, that I'll just use. And actually I'm going to use, a, I'm going to use a catchphrase that, um, that another, 
another innovation consultant out there that I was I saw at the Innovation Game Summit recently, a Scotty Bevel from Beveled Edge. Um, he uses the phrase when they we started ideation or brainstorming, he's like, get it out of your head. And he says it just like that. It's awesome. And at that point, it's, it's like brain dump, you know, and it's, you know, put it down onto a sticky. Um, Scotty does a lot of work with the Innovation Games platform where you could actually do exactly what you're saying, Craig, online individual collaboration canvas. So it's the same thing for distributed teams. But it's important to make sure people have been set up. You've given them a specific question, which is very important. So, again, what's the question? And then you have a safe environment and they just get out of their head. And really, from that point, then a facilitator can kind of work to pull strings and draw people out. But it's important before the facilitator starts doing that to allow people that time to release. Mm, safety is important. Uh, and, and I've seen uh, a, a safety check exercise in retrospectives. Um, the problem is, what do you do when it, people don't feel safe or don't feel safe saying they're not safe? And that, that's not the only time we collaborate, right? That there's also whiteboarding sessions or a brainstorming sessions. And one of the things that I notice is, as numbers scale up in these working sessions with people is that there will be times, and, and I'm an outspoken guy, and I often don't get, get stuck in the back of the crowd, but if we're running out of time or something and I have an idea, uh, sometimes that gets kind of lost because there just wasn't time for me to surface that idea. And what that could have been, that could have been maybe the greatest idea that we had come up and I never got to bring it out. So how do we, how do we make sure that everyone has an opportunity to get their ideas out? You know, uh, one technique that we've used uh, on several occasions that I think can be really effective is that, that lean coffee structure when you have the possibility for a lot of ideas to be discussed and you want to make sure that you talk about as many as possible and in the right order, um, there is a, there is a structure and a way that you can kind of play a game really to, um, to say, here's all the topics we want to talk about. Let's vote on them. And then let's give each one, um, you know, a limited amount of time, five minutes. And then when we're done talking five minutes, we do a, quick uh, show of hands or a, you know a thumbs up thumbs down to say should we keep talking about this and if you do you give it another three and then another one and then you're over and then you move on to the next one and that way uh, you get through a lot more topics quicker because I think that's part of the problem too with these big groups is that you could just keep talking about one topic on and on and it's not clear to the group when to stop when when is it when have you talked about it enough so t- sometimes it's good to have that that structure in front of you so that you can make sure that you cover as many talks as possible. I think that's great advice, and uh, I hope I hope everyone keyed in on that because that may be one of the one of the best ways in a larger group you can really quickly rip through a lot of a lot of feedback and then prioritize it. Well, the the other thing you have to do in a large group, and when I say large group, I mean like even as many as even as few as four people would be what I would consider a large group. You have to make your collaboration multidimensional. So it, it can't be just communicating or spoken word. It needs to be something visual. It needs to be some, you know, do a brain dump, write post-it notes out, you know, make a mind map. And then once you do that, use that visual, that visual medium to guide the discussion. Or if it's, you know, if it's a spoken conversation or maybe it's chat conversation in a chat tool, but it needs to be multidimensional to be effective beyond just a, a simple person to person conversation. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. And Jason, you were alluding earlier to the fact that distance communication over conference calls or WebEx meetings or, you know, meet me sort of meetings can be challenging for collaboration. 
how would you suggest that people approach this? We always say that we value face-to-face communication for collaboration, but you know, there are just times in our business when you're consulting where it's a plane ride to have face-to-face collaboration and maybe somebody's got to bring, you know, a busload of people. And well, and that's where I would challenge folks. And, and I, I know I've talked about this. I need to, I don't remember the episode is you've got to learn to use your gear. I mean, like for this podcast, we use Skype. It costs us nothing and we can all see each other face to face. There is a learning curve. And like John even mentioned at the onset, learn how to use your gear, make sure the quality is effective. So, cause again, if we're, if we're doing a webinar or we're doing like a, maybe a, a two, a distributed retrospective where you've got two teams, like in one location, another location in a video link, there's a way to make that presented well. I mean, literally where you almost need a camera guy to move the camera around, or you need a, um, you need an Xbox 360 where um, it will like zoom the camera in on the person talking. If you use Skype, if you haven't tried this, it's really awesome, but it gives you an effective person to person experience without having to be there. If that is part of your reality, I would encourage you that that should be your first new year's resolution for, for 20, for 2015, learn how to use your gear that you have access to, to do effective face-to-face remote collaboration. And I'll share sometimes if you're a consultant, you've got to coach your customers on how to do it too, because they may not know on their end. So, but it will help you improve. You know, Jason, when you and I were up in Washington, DC at the, uh, what were we at? Agile DC. We were at Agile DC, John. Pretty obvious, right? Sorry, we had a, I had a brain freeze there. <laughs> That's okay. I saw a vendor there, SmartBoard. And for many of you that have children in school, you're probably familiar with SmartBoard as as a interactive device in, in the classroom. But the, the folks from SmartBoard were there showing off. And SmartBoard, you should probably sponsor this show because I'm about to give you a big plug. Uh, they had this incredible setup with a, a big screen TV and it hooked into an iPad app and you could basically do a lot of whiteboard collaboration with folks that were uh, remote, disconnected, right? Not disconnected, but that were not in the same room with you. And they could sit there with their iPad and collaborate on the whiteboard. And you were mentioning, Jason, the challenge of you almost need a cameraman this is this kind of makes the need for a cameraman um, a moot point because you have the cameraman and the smart board, not necessarily that he can see the people, but when you're having one of these whiteboarding sessions, it's always difficult because the folks on the phone, the conference call, they can't necessarily see the whiteboard. Even if you have like a webcam and you're pointing it at the whiteboard, it's always substandard. Oh yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's there's a sign. I mean, there's a science there. And I guess as a hobby, I've always been in meat. I've always been in AV. So there's ways to do that. But I mean, cause some of the consumer products out there, what they do is amazing. And um, you know, I know Cisco makes great products. Um, you know, for high end teleconferencing. But again, I, I was doing a, a a phone call with a guy um for an interview recently who had an Xbox 360, and a, a, a buddy and I we were in this. We're like, oh my god, he's got like a like the camera would zoom in on him, and then he like walked around his, this room for dramatic effect in the interview, and the camera followed him. And you would have sworn he had a whole crew there, and he had an Xbox. I was like, wow, we need to buy one of those. It was freaking. Was it just like the Connect stuff? Yeah, that's all it is. But um, it they have a plugin that works with Skype. And it will track your voice. And so if you walk around the room, it actually follows your voice and the camera zooms in. So you, yeah, you got a night, you get a nice headshot. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Um, 
I'll share. I got an Xbox, so I'll have to set it up and do it on the podcast one night and walk around. And <laughs> you guys can all we'll put that one on YouTube. You guys can all laugh at me. So, Nate, what were you saying? It follows not just your voice. I was just saying it's the the Connect has the facial recognition, so it actually knows where faces are in the room, so it can actually zoom in on your face and follow it when you're talking. It's pretty. It, it knows it knows where your arms are too, and your hands. So it's it's yeah. pretty sophisticated. Yeah, you got to use. So be sure be sure you know how to use your gear, like Jason said. That's right. Just dance, Jason. Uh-huh. Show title. Well, <laughs> let me ask. Nate put a pivot under the conversation here because he mentioned a comment here about like, you know, the more people there are, the more likely factions are to develop within the team to, you know, where I don't know. That's almost like Lee tonight because, you know, Lee kind of withdrew from the podcast where he saw what we were going to talk about and kind of said, I'm not into that. So how do you prevent that, Nate? I mean, you, you threw it out there. Any any yeah. ideas? Yeah, I've seen this happen. and um you know, it, I think it happens the, the one time. Well, I've seen it happen a couple of times, but but I've seen it happen mainly around um, tech stacks. So if if people come together on a team and they just happen to have uh, expertise in one of the of one of the technologies that you're dealing with, and then you end up with these groups of people that are um, working in the different technologies and not really associating with each other. It was really easy for finger pointing and blame and you know the the other guy uh mentality to to creep in and it and not to feel like one team anymore but to feel like two or three different teams that were you know warring with each other or blaming each other or whatever as the case may be and now one way to solve that and we've tried this too is to have everybody work in all the tech stacks and i think that's ideal if you can get that to work but in some cases when you're talking about uh stacks that are as different as you know an android application an ios application and a you know a back end which could be in um it could be in .NET, it could be in java it could be in uh, erlang or node or whatever um it can be difficult for everybody to pick up all those technologies and still meet the deadlines that the customer wants so um that's just kind of an interesting problem how do you how do you keep these factions from developing and they could be around tech stacks and they could be around experience and they could be around you know interest groups um, how do you keep these keep the uh, uh, we they mentality from creeping in on something that's supposed to be a single team? Well, my take on that, I raised my hand here because the first thing is Nate's talking. He's talking tech stacks, and I'm thinking business domains. You know, so someone's only worked in one part of the business, uh, like compliance, or maybe only one person's worked in sales. You know, and I think this is an organizational problem. And this is where if there is an organization that values this idea of self-managing teams that are able to collaborate and that are able to be innovative, they have to commit to having a systematic process by which they rotate people around between teams to promote you know, sharing knowledge and learning throughout someone's tenure at that organization. Yeah, but I, I'm going to I'll play devil's, devil's advocate here. So uh, let's say this episode was about compliance. I don't care about compliance. I, I'm not interested. I don't want to contribute. I don't want to learn. Uh, you know, maybe, and maybe that's okay. You know, maybe that's not my forte. I don't have strengths in it. I don't want it to. And, you know, that, that, maybe that's okay. Okay, so let me add a little, a little deviation there. I'll try to tap dance here because I'm not going to back down this idea that an organization to promote flexibility needs to be in a continuous state of change. The the United States uh, services, um, the military, is probably one of the best examples of this because they force their staff to go through staffing rotations continuously. It's like a three to five year cycle based upon your rank, I believe. 
So Craig, what I would say is that the rotation should be required. However, your choices, you, you could choose from a, a selection of choices. So if you really don't want to do, go, go, go do compliance, you don't have to. But you can, if, say, you're, say you're in pricing um, or retail, you cannot stay in retail for your entire career beyond a certain threshold. Does that make sense? Or would that work for oh, you? If I, oh, oh, sure. And, and, you know, that's kind of this podcast, you know, 90% of the time I want to participate. But there's an occasional topic where I'm just, I don't have any expertise to, to think that I have much to contribute. So I, I would, you know, not join that podcast. And, and, and even on an agile team, you're going to have expertise that is unequal. You know, some person is going to have more expertise and he, he or she should probably speak more to that topic than someone that doesn't. And that, that was Nate's concern, right? And I'll get to you in a second there, Jason. But Nate's concern was that you've got people that have specialized skills and how do you get them all to collaborate together? I think, and Jason, you mentioned folks from different uh, business specializations or business domains, I think it's good to intermix those people because oftentimes they can bring a fresh perspective into a technology stack that they're not intimately familiar with because of that. They can ask certain questions that folks just kind of maybe who are really familiar with a technology stack will quickly go by because it's you know they've already they've already made assumptions based on platform and tools and whatnot and and sometimes it's it's beneficial to have some people ask just some basic level questions though it can also sometimes be frustrating because you want to skip past those upfront uh easy questions if you will and jump right into some deeper detail so it could be beneficial i could also see where it could be detrimental to a, a collaborative environment. Jason, what were you thinking about that? Well, I, well, I want to go back to Craig because, you know, Craig, I'm, I'm concerned about your motivation to disqualify yourself from a situation where you feel you're not relevant. Because, you know, if you're, if you're a member of the organization and you believe in the vision of that organization or that team, what they're trying to do, then I would want to encourage you to say, I want you in that room. Because yes, you may, you know, suppose we're going to talk about all, all non-tech stuff. We're talking about all business stuff. Okay. So a complete business thing. You might have a viewpoint that if you're not in that room, we're going to go down the wrong path. So I, 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 so let, let's say it's to the accounting department. Do I really need to go, you know, join with the accountants and, and give my opinion on that? that? That doesn't seem to make sense. Basically I'm establishing that there are some areas where I don't have expertise to have a valid opinion. And, and whether that's accounting or compliance or HR, I think that's going to exist in every situation. Well, I, I guess where, where I'm going is there's not a firm rule here. And I, w- I want the listeners to be aware of that. But what I do want to make sure people think about is that it's sometimes okay to be the outsider in the room because, you know, you might hear something or you might ask this one just open-ended question like after you hear someone like me go off about NBA stuff for like 20 minutes. Like, Jason, why does it really matter? You know, like, okay, I've heard you, you know, like, make me do the five whys, even though I've probably already done 15 for you. You know, it's... So, yeah, the, I, I've heard the, the best way to sound like a smart person is just ask dumb questions. Well, yeah, um, well, you, and, should and come sometimes, a, you should come join us and be an innovation games facilitator, Craig. <laughs> That's all we uh, do. You know, and sometimes you're the new person and you have to balance the I'm asking all the stupid questions versus I'm not asking any questions. 
I think, well, I think you have to find that balance at all points, really. I mean, you don't want to monopolize everyone's time and spend all the time asking questions, even if, even if you have them. Uh, But you also don't want to sit in the corner and not answer, ask any questions or contribute anything. But sometimes, you know, depending on what the topic is, that's going to vary a lot. Well, I think the value of of entering in a, into a situation where you don't necessarily have expertise or maybe you don't even care that much about the topic is uh, to get some empathy with that group of people and what they go through and what their difficulties are. And again, I think that's what tends to happen in these big groups is that it's very easy to objectify other parts of the group and assume that when they don't give you what you need or they don't do the right thing with what you give them that they're dumb or they are they don't care about you or they're deliberately trying to sabotage you or the project when the truth may be, be something very different and so just spending some time with a group even if it's not one that you care that much about has value not only from the outsider perspective that you can bring but from beginning to understand and empathize with what they go through and why they might be making the decisions that they are so I think that kind of brings it back around to group size, which is sort of where our, our conversation started here. If your group is large, you're going to have more of those interactions where you have less information about each other um, and, and you don't have the time to communicate all those things. Like, you know, the accountant doesn't really have time to explain accounting to me <laughs> in a half hour meeting. But so I think if, if the group is smaller, you're going to have less of those sorts of problems. So how, how do you figure out what the right size is for various teams and situations? Well, all, all the smart people who have studied this, of which there's countless studies, I guess, guess I can go p- find some and put them in the show notes. It's, it's between five to seven or five to eight people. Um, good colleague Luke Holman says you can't collaborate with more than eight. So then um, he wrote the Innovation Games book, so he knows a lot more about it than I think all of us do. So I think that's a key thing to say. And the the, the thing that I, I kind of want to you know maybe use to wrap up here is that what we're talking about are collaboration or you know teaming, innovation, whatever the context. It's a deliberate process. And so, Craig, to exactly what you're saying, there's some science that goes around saying who are the right people to be in the room. So maybe maybe to what you said, you don't have the right expertise, but uh, so you wouldn't be relevant for a session or to be in that small team, but understand if you're, if you're the type of person putting those teams together, say that you want some people that have outside domain context, you know, so they are not the experts. They're kind of the people that are going to ask that crazy question that, that pivots the room and changes everything. So if you're helping to put things like that together, or if you're putting teams together, think about that. Maybe have someone on a team, if you're doing development, that doesn't know the tech stack. And so they're there to say, well, I don't know the tech stack we're using, but I know this other one. And as a result, I'm going to be asking crazy questions because I don't understand why we're doing all this stuff. And out of that, the team starts to say, you know, we don't need to do this either because he's right. And so we're going to change that and make our process simpler. You need someone like that in the room. So uh, and really, again, this is my appeal to organizations out there to say that you need to take a step back. Understand that the people in your organization are the greatest source of innovation that you have. And those people need to be put together into groups, given tools and really maybe a little bit of support facilitation, and then a whole lot of autonomy to go out and do great work. So you need to encourage that to happen. And if people are not moving around to promote that cross-pollination, then you're, you're, you're running at risk of not realizing that you're going to fall victim to, your under, for, to knowing too much about your own context. The way to do that is to get people moving around. Yeah, I, I would agree, Jason. And 
you know, we've seen it over and over when we've had opportunities to come into a company and help them with their uh, agile practices or team practices that people who have been in a situation where they've just kind of been told what to do. Here's the list. Here's the plan. Get going. Let us know when you're done. Uh, they really kind of it, it, it's a huge shock and shift to them when you start saying, hey, we want to know what you think and uh, how do you think we should approach this problem? and Let's have a retrospective and we want to know how you think about how we could make things better, how we could solve the problems that we have, that, that that's a big change for them. And it takes them a while to even grasp the idea of questioning what's going on and giving their opinion and trying to solve problems that normally they thought they were completely out of their, their hands. So that, that may be part of this collaboration issue, too, is that going being in a culture that actually values collaboration and the opinions of everybody in the group instead of uh just having a bunch of people that are you know code monkeys that are just supposed to get stuff done code monkeys that's a good song too yeah. <laughs> it's a good song yeah jonathan colton oh yeah yeah code monkey that might be the show title yeah code <laughs> <laughs> this week's hottest picks all right jason what are your picks this episode well, in lieu of our discussion today, I, I was recently at the Innovation Game Summit in Utah with Luke Holman and company, and since uh, my holiday theme for picks is picking games, my pick for the week is to the entire InnovationGames.com online platform. If you've never seen it, there is a free version you can try, no cost, and you can do visual collaboration games like in a retrospective where you can put virtual post-it notes on top of a picture, and you could do it online. So you have distributed teams. Uh, some research has shown that if people play games, even if they're face-to-face, they're more open because people will type anything into the computer. It breaks down some barriers. So check that out if you've never tried it for a retro. Even if you have a retro in where people work together, you might find you get better results if you tr- if you use an online game. So uh, www.innovationgames.com. Uh, two others that I'll just throw out there real quick is... Uh, it is December 2015. The Agile Alliance uh, submission system is open. To, uh, ex- sorry, it's December 2014. I think I said the wrong date. But the Agile Alliance just recently opened the submission system for the Agile 2015 conference, which is in August of 2015. So you can uh, so you could submit to give a talk. So it would be fun to have you come out. I'm helping to review sessions for that. So it'll be great to have lots of ideas from our listeners. And so come check it out and come to DC and share an idea. And last but not least, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I saw Amos recently at the uh, St. Louis Users Ruby Group. We took a great picture together. So we'll be sure to put that great picture in the show notes because that's the new theme where we have to put a really not so great picture every of every show note, especially the one we had last time, which is absolutely horrible. Ugh. So anyway, so there's some stuff. Is every is every bad picture going to be inclusive of you? Uh, would you like it to be? Because I have lots of bad pictures. I can make that happen. So far, we're going to be two for two. Okay. That's <laughs> a challenge, John. Okay, John, you, I'm going to get a bad picture of you for the next one. I, I don't... I'm like a vampire. You can't I'll, I'll take snap one. I'll snap one from Skype right here when you're not okay. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hide behind the microphone on Skype, so... Do you sparkle in the sunlight, John? Yes. Wow. Sunlight, what's that? I think those are some things you can buy for the holiday <laughs> sales. The diamond shop. All right, Nate, what are your picks for the episode? All right, I have a couple of picks. Uh, one is a, an app, and in, unfortunately for you Android folks, it's only for iOS right now, but it's called Hours, and it's from a uh, developer who's, who calls his company Tappity, T-A-P-I-T-Y, 
it's a great app if you have to keep up with your time. And uh, unfortunately, in the consulting uh, business, that is a necessary evil, just keeping up with the time that you spend. And especially if you spend time on different things, if you're working on more than one thing over the course of a day, trying to keep up with what you've been working on at any given time can be very difficult. Uh, great app, very easy to use, beautiful, um, lets you do all sorts of creative things with it, does does exports um, of your time, also does nice little summaries. Little buggy, it's it's brand new and it's pretty sophisticated, so there's a few little quirks in there that you have to just uh, deal with and, and learn, and part of that's probably iOS 8 too, but uh, great app and I highly recommend it. Uh, a second one, uh, I mentioned on many, many podcasts ago, um, how I had really gotten into tabletop games in the last few years. Um, one that my family really likes is called Dixit. Um, it is a game that involves cards that have these really cool uh, pictures on them, just um, kind of fantastic uh, pictures of, of different characters and scenes. And the idea is that the um, there's one person who looks at their set of uh, pictures and picks one and, and says a short phrase or a couple of words that represent what they're thinking about that picture and, and what they think that picture is about. And then everybody else kind of puts one in a little kind of uh, apples to apples style. And then you have to try to figure out which one is the original uh, storyteller's picture. Um, so it's a fun game and uh, great for pretty much anybody to play. But the cards are also uh, great for a retro tool. We had one of our facilitators use these cards, pass them out to the group and say, which one of these cards represents how you feel about the project right now? And uh, comes up, you, you come up with some great conversations. So it's also a, a tool that you can use at your company for retro. So a really great game. That's great, Nate. I'm going to have to check both of those out. I'm interested in, in both of those picks, and I hope everyone else is as well. And John, just if you're interested, since I know you met him, um, Dr. Roger Greenway has done a lot of work on visual debriefing, which is the exact same technique that Nate talked about. This idea of a, a picture metaphor that then people relate to. So you can check out his site, reviewing.co.uk, and there's a ton on that as well. So you, you just snuck in another pick is what oh, you essentially fine. did. I'll add that to the list. Ah, I'm going to have to ah. govern you. And he no governance. He me too. He like one-upped my pick. Even. Oh, man. Uh, Craig, how about your picks for the episode? All right. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I got to speak at the, the RubyConf 2014. Uh, my talk was called Ruby Idioms You Aren't Using Yet. And the video is not yet out. Um, but if it's out before we post this, I'll get it up there. Otherwise, I'll wait till next time I'm on the podcast. Uh, but I do have the slides. I'll post those. So my pick is actually going to conferences. Um so there's conferences all over the place. There's regional conferences, there's national, there's international conferences. Uh, in fact, our website, thisagilelife.com, has a conferences section that you can go to Agile conferences and find one near you. Um, and I'd also recommend not just going to a conference, but if you can, speak at a conference. Um, speak at a local users group, speak at a conference. Um, I've spoken at user groups a lot, but this is the first time I got to speak at a conference, and I was so nervous. And 30 minutes later, when I finished my talk, it felt so good. So despite being nervous and not liking to speak in front of a large group, uh, I want to do it again. Hey, Craig, can I butt in there? Uh-huh. Just the one other conference role that is always needed out there are volunteers. So not a speaker, not an attendee. But all the people that always wear the colorful t-shirts that run around that make the whole thing happen, 
where yes, there is some work involved, but typically you get to go when you're not working, you can sit in sessions and learn. Um, I don't know a conference out there that doesn't look for volunteers and doesn't need more of them. So um, a great way to get involved if you don't want to be a speaker or maybe if you also don't have the um, the ability to pay to attend the conference, because um, typically you, you get you get to attend either at a reduced rate or they'll, they'll waive the admission fee for, for volunteering to help out. That's great, Craig. And thanks, Jason, for uh, the shout out about uh, volunteers. Thanks. Yeah, and, for- and hey, if you've ever been a conference volunteer, especially if you ever had a work room that I did a game in, thank you, because I know the games get out of control. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to congratulate Craig and also point out that I think a lot of people, Craig, feel similarly to the way that you felt. Uh, they get nervous at doing those things, but everyone, a lot of people, have good things to offer and I think oftentimes are maybe a little um, shy or, or reserved about wanting to put themselves out there and put their conference submission out there, but you should do it because half the time Jason Tice is reviewing them anyway. So <laughs> I, I will talk about in the future, I will talk about my role for Agile 2015 where I am not reviewing I'm facilitating the review process. I'm actually not reviewing this year that a lot, this year that much. Okay. All right. Well, here are my picks for the episode. I have two. The first one is a journaling app. I've always been uh, into journaling. I, I first started with just like a notebook uh, in, in grade school. I think I started trying to write down like a half of a page or a page a day, which I got bored with. Um, I wanted it to be on the computer. There was this old TV show called Doogie Howser. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but Doogie Howser always did Ah. like a journal entry at the end of every show. Anyway, so there's this really nice app. It is iOS only, and it's called Day One. It it looks pretty nice. Some people say it's awesome. I I don't know. I'm so jaded on apps, I think, these days that I don't know what's awesome and and not awesome, but it works. And uh, I've been using it quite a bit. It has reminders for uh, when to journal, and it helps you keep up with your journaling. So check it out day one, uh, only for iOS and Macs. And the other one is another podcast, which I was a little bit... Um, reserved about maybe pointing out because I don't want you all to miss out on all the great stuff we talk about here at This Agile Life, but they're not a direct competitor. So it's good for good for the industry, right? Good for everyone. It's called Serial. It's a podcast from NPR. And I'm not a big NPR fan, uh, but this podcast is really great because it's it's long form storytelling and it's it's a real life murder mystery sort of um, story and again real life so it's chronicling the uh, uh the murder of a young woman and the incarceration of a man and uh and and following up on all of that and kind of digging into the past so if you're interested in that sort of thing and enjoy long form storytelling you should check out serial i second that and the internet thinks it's awesome they can't possibly be wrong all right, that's all we have time for today. Check out thisagilelife.com for these show notes and all of our past episodes. Thanks for listening and keep living this agile life.
This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.